Welcome to Mandarin Baptist Church, where we are the generations declaring the redemptive story of God on Everyday Mission. Thank you so much for setting aside time to join us as we open Scripture together. Whether this is your first time joining us or if you listen in weekly, we want you to know that we are so thankful you are here. We believe God has something for each of us today. We know God is always working and speaking, and our prayer is that this message will minister to your heart as much as it has with us. Before we get started, there are a couple things for you to know. First of all, we would love to connect with you on a deeper level and even help you take your next step of faith, whatever that might be. A great first step is joining us on campus for one of our worship gatherings on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. We would also love to help you get connected to one of our small groups. Regardless of what life stage we are in, we strongly believe that we were not created to go through this life alone. We need people to come alongside of us and to help point each other toward Christ and encourage a deeper pursuit of God in our lives. For more information or questions you might have, please check us out online at mandarinbaptist.org. On our website, you will find groups for every age, as well as dates for events like Discover Mandarin, which is a great way to learn a little bit more about who we are, different ministries we are involved in, and local and global missions partners. You can like, follow, and join a live stream of our Sunday services at facebook.com slash Mandarin Baptist Church. So now, as we dive into scripture today and we hear the truths of God, we pray our lives are shaped by what His Spirit will speak to us. We hope His words will be written upon our hearts and we will move toward Christ as we check out this week's message. So it would be a beautiful day to just um, kind of ask the Spirit of God to reveal himself to you and just give you some peace in an incredibly fickle Sunday. So what, what I tremendously value, Cam, in your prayer was just the recognition of like the cry of Hosanna, like we want victory. And there's even this part of the prayer, I think you brought this, if it wasn't you, it was the Holy Spirit. And so um, there's things that we're crying out for that are not yet seen as victory, and yet we're just crying Hosanna over it and wait. And then there's the reality of this, this group that was gathered as Jesus was riding through on Palm Sunday and they are crying out Hosanna, and, and in about three or four days later, they will be crying out, crucify him. So it's really an interesting Sunday for the body of Christ together, 
because it's really a fickle Sunday. And, and I think that a large majority of us can relate at some level to the fickle nature of this heart of ours to say, Lord, we cry that you are everything. We have beheld you. We, we sing with all of our souls, meaning it. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Would, would you transform our souls? And then we so easily turn maybe not even days, but hours or minutes later with this reality of crucify him. And so how do we or what do we do with that in, in the context of scripture? And so we are walking through eight days in the inner sanctum of the cathedral of our Christian faith, which is Romans 8. And so if you would like to open Romans 8, um, we're going to look at two verses, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us about how we cry out, Hosanna. It's like, Lord, you are victorious. Would, would you allow us to see, experience, wait for, rest in you for this victory? I was trying with all of my soul to, to discern the pathway to open this service. And um, I just was on a walk yesterday. And um, I began to think of, of, of John, who um, is, was on an Isle of Patmos, and he was addressing a fickle church. So he was um, placed on the island uh, to be left alone. And John has this revelation. And thus comes the book of Revelation where he's just seeing and experiencing God and writing some things that are supernatural for the glory of God. And much like Paul is falling in love with the grace of Christ, John is falling in love with the love of Christ. He's overwhelmed by the love of God in Christ. And in doing so, he begins to address the seven churches of that day. Um, one of those in the third chapter of Revelation is Laodicea. I think that they're the quintessential Hosanna, we love you, crucify him church. Um, they're trying to sort things out. And if you're, if you're um, following John in the third chapter of Revelation, um, I'm not going to spend but a moment here because I, I think what the eighth chapter is, has for us in Romans settles us. But I think it helps us a bit to see that the church was struggling. And so um, John is addressing the church and, and, and I, don't, I don't know that you necessarily desire to describe, be described in things like this. And so when John is, is talking to the church, he's describing the king of glory as the amen. This is the so be it. This is the one who is calling things for what they are. He is the faithful and true witness. He's the originator of God's creation. So here is the Lord speaking into the church and he begins to say some things like this. Like, I know you and you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm and therefore you kind of um, compel me to hurl. And so um, that's never what you want to hear about yourself, right? And so this is, this is the living God just kind of addressing the church through John. And then he goes on and starts to destruct, describe them in certain manners. Like, um, I know that you have thought yourself wealthy, but, and you need for nothing. And yet in reality, you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind. And I'm thinking right now that John's not being very nice to them. Like this isn't the kindest descriptions of the church. And so the church at Laodicea is receiving this and kind of wrestling with this and not understanding fully what do we do with this. And can we just maybe acknowledge that 
Um, the desire for the church here in Mandarin isn't to be called pitiful, poor, wretched, and blind. And this isn't physical blindness. We're not, you know, shaming someone for their physical failure. We're talking about spiritually blind to the things of the kingdom of Christ. So this is, this is where they are. And so moving into how do we, how do we approach a holy week and what does this look like? Um, John perfectly paints this out for us. And this is where it's incredibly exciting because I have, I have no doubt because I know myself. So I'll just say I'm the first in the room to join with Paul and saying I'm the chief of sinners. I am the leader in that area and I'm the lead in saying to the Lord, Hosanna to you, you are victorious and then turning about and walking away in such grand fashions and often such secret ways. And I think the word of Romans 8 and the word that, that John gives to the church at Laodicea is so critically important for those of us who are longing to cry out Hosanna and maybe to set aside the crucify him component. Because when John begins to talk to him and they, they begins to say, here's what the Lord is longing for from you. He is the faithful and true one. And he is inviting you to be zealous in your faith. And this will really startle you for a moment. So welcome to Holy Week and Palm Sunday. So he longs for you to be zealous in your faith. So I'll pause for a minute. You don't, this is rhetorical. Just process this in your head. Um, what would you consider John's invitation to be zealous in your faith to look like? And just again, you don't just in your head. I mean, I'm for me. I'm immediately thinking like I'm going to memorize, you know, the whole the old New Testament. I'm, I'm going to commit to small. I'm going to commit to attending something. I'm going to commit to being something more. And and I love where he goes. So I'm inviting you to be zealous in your faith. So let's. Move into repentance. I'm inviting you to zealously repent and to zealously pursue the face of God. Now that re received a few hums in the room, and um, and okay, and I don't know what to do with this, but here's what's beautiful about our picture and understanding of the Lord. There's an inevitably a call to repentance. Every one of us is, is, is in the midst of it right now as we are being transformed from glory to glory with everlasting glory into the image of Jesus Christ. As we are renewing our mind in the Lord and watching as we are being conformed into the walk and the path and the way of Jesus. It's such a beautiful process. And so we're, we're a people who should make repentance a celebration. Like we're going, it's repentance day. Hallelujah. Hosanna. In the highest, glory to God, you're transforming me one step after another into your image. I'm not, I'm not sure that Laodicea wouldn't have seen it that way because here's what then the Spirit of Christ said to John to tell the church. He said, let them know that I am knocking on the door and I long for them to open the door and I will come in. I'm not sure your perspective of God, but I just bring Romans 8 to you that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the spirit of Jesus Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. He has fostered an entirely new law that draws us to himself and that holds all things together. And so John starts to talk with the church and to say zealous repentance over your spiritual blindness and your brokenness or what I'm inviting into. And oh, by the way, 
The king of glory, Hosanna in the highest, is knocking on the door and he says these words to them. And this is where, again, my quantifiable, my mathematical brilliance is going to come through again and it's going to be mind-blowing for you because he looks at them and he says, if you will open the door, then you will come and be with me and you will be in proximity to me and we will walk this out together and this will be phenomenal. But chapter three leads into chapter four. And so I just want to point out in this Palm Sunday and this cry of Hosanna to the ones who conquer, what are, what are they conquering? They're conquering their malaise and their spiritual blindness and their lack of fidelity to the wonder of Jesus and coming before him and saying, bring your fullness. We need help. To those who conquer, I will give you the right to sit with me on the throne, just as I have also conquered and sat down with my father on the throne. So I was trying to discern, like, how do we walk in a fickle Sunday toward the truth of Christ and what it means to be a justified people in Christ? who do not experience the condemnation in Christ, who are walking in Christ and who are set free and they are free indeed. How do we sort this out? Well, we are a people who simply right now go to the door of which he is knocking and welcome him in and give him free reign throughout our soul. Lord, would you do a work within us that is so profound and so beautiful. And so I would maybe just join with John in saying to the church here at Mandarin, the Lord is knocking on the door. Would you open that door that he may come in? And not to belabor this, but just for a moment, um, did you recognize what he did with the people that John first said, you're wretched, blind, poor, um, you know, whatever. There's so many words running. Uh, you, you, you are missing this. And then Jesus says, so when I embrace you, I give you the privilege to sit with me on the throne. So here's mathematics again. So chapter three, the next chapter is Revelation. Front row got it. That was the first. They're on it. So like, so I'm not, not going to belabor this because we could talk about this for an hour, but the reality is uh, you're invited in to this cacophony of wonder and worship and elders laying their, their crowns before the king of glory. You're, you're invited to be seated with him in the heavens, even as we're sorting this out on earth. You're invited in as you conquer, meaning, Lord, to conquer is actually to lay down myself and to lift up your name. And so I will be a conqueror when I am laying down my life so that you might pick me up and you will bring me into the midst of the eternal celebration of which we were singing. Glory, 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 worthy, 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 holy, holy, holy are you Lord God Almighty. And it's like rowdy in that singing. It's beautiful. And so for me, I wanted to understand when I'm pretty deeply off, what is God's response to me? And Romans 8.1 answers that for us. But I also believe the church at Laodicea gives us a perspective of the truth of this, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's why. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
So, so we're a people who are in this room saying, Lord, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. I, I, what I grandly love about Paul is his Greek wordplay and also what he has already established in the fifth chapter, which will be on the screen of Romans, as he is saying, this is a two-sided coin. And so I want you to rest in this and understand this so that you know that you are a justified people and therefore not condemned. That's, that's my first thought for today is that for us to be able to lay down our lives before the king of glory, we need to know we're a justified people and therefore we are not condemned. When we are walking into his presence as a people broken and riddled and and unsure and struggling, he welcomes us by knocking on the door. We welcome him by opening it and saying, come in, Lord. In Romans 5, he says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I know that's on the screen. I think we should read that again and just go, are you kidding me? So therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So there's this this twofold thing going on here. So I I had a coin in the first service gifted to me and had a coin between church gifted to me. So on one side of the coin, we are justified, which is a legal transaction where we take the document of tremendous sin debt and it is stamped as paid in full. And the Lord says, once and forever, you are my own. You are my beloved. You are accepted. You are welcomed. And we are justified before God. It was a legal transaction when we we embrace the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and the certificate of debt was paid in full. And so we were justified and therefore we stand in this grace of Jesus Christ. And so when we are struggling as opposed to running from God or hiding from God, we're running to the open door so that we can open this. And the other side of the coin is we know this about him, that he meets us in our brokenness and he pieces us together because he holds all things together. So not only are we justified in Jesus, but there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus for the law of sin and death have been overcome and you have been set free by the law of the king of glory in his life. Amen. So there's, there's a coin. Your son, by the way, gave me the coin of the day. And this is, this is the two-sided reality of being justified in Jesus and being free from condemnation through Jesus Christ. All glory to God in Christ. And so since we have been justified in faith, there's peace with God. And I I think to understand this is the restoration, the work of God, is that from inception, there was a wonder about us. God made this proclamation about you and me. He did. He said, this is what's going on here is very good. He also made this proclamation that we are image bearers of his perfect creator. The psalmist writes that we rival beings in glory and in honor. And in our fall to brokenness, his love is relentless, rescuing, redeeming, and restorative. I'm wondering on this Palm Sunday how you view God and what you have been hiding for a very long time. And if you're aware that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Jesus. 
For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And what you're hiding, he's fully aware of. And if you were in Christ, you were fully justified in him and you were robed in the hope of his glory. C.S. Lewis said it this way. It's on the screen, I believe. God, who needs nothing, loves into, the, into existence holy, superfluous creatures in order that may he love and perfect them, perfect them. God, who needs nothing, loves into existence holy, superfluous creatures in order that may he love and perfect each one of us. The extent of this love wasn't when he created us and said, this is really good. The extent of his love was when we were filled with sin and brokenness. And Paul said it this way in Romans 5, 6 through 9. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hey, it's rare that someone will die for someone. It's very rare about that. Though a good person might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us that while we were in the midst of our sin, Christ died for us. Glory to God in Christ. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more then should we be a people in this moment moving to the door that is knocking on your soul and moving to your knees before the king of glory? Lord, therefore I've been justified by faith and I'm at peace with you and there are some things that are not peaceful within me so I can come to you now free from condemnation and allow the law of the spirit of life to move me back toward freedom. Man, in an incredibly fickle culture, we are a people who understand the coin and understand the justifying work of Jesus Christ and its once and forever work on our behalf and also the freedom from that justification to walk forward and, and plead with him and to receive no condemnation. Glory, glory to God. Isaiah says this of us, all of us have become like one who is unclean. The best of our acts that we deem righteous are filthy rags. Normal love may sacrifice, but God has moved to the ultimate length in proving his love for us. He died for us according to scripture. It was just at the right time that he did this in our weary need and sin. He proposed to take the human race where he would exchange our filthy rags for robes of righteousness so that we would be a people who were robed in Christ and made whole and holy through him where guilt and shame are removed. And that is part of our reasoning for not opening the door. Lord, I want to measure up somehow. We'll address this as we get there. The scripture says it this way in the work that is finished, is complete, is done, is whole, and if you are in Christ, is received. Colossians reads this way. And when you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave all of our trespasses. Whew, you should circle about 10 words. When you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. 
He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. We are justified by faith. This is a legal transaction in the culture of that day. Quite literally, the debt paid in full. I've shared that already. I just want you to hear it again. Said he met you in the midst of your worthlessness and provided you with his worth. He stamped the paid in full on that and he cried out, it is complete. It is done. It is justified. It is good. It stands in the courts. And then he went out and he began to make declaration in the streets about this, holding up the paid in full and walking the streets saying to the enemy and the battles and the warriors in the midst of all of this, he has proclaimed publicly triumph through the cross for each one of us. Hello, Easter. Welcome to the Resurrection Sunday, which is still a week away, but we get to celebrate every single day. We're a people who are sitting in the midst of this as a justified people. I just began to think, and I won't belabor this, but I do want to invite you to a moment of thought. I begin to think of the woman at the well and, and the justifying work in her soul and the condemnation that brought her out. This is the fourth chapter of John. If you've never heard this story, jot a note and go read it. It's such a, an amazing reality that a lady that ultimately was condemned by her culture and was coming out in the, in the privacy of the middle of the day when no one else would be walking has the most remarkable conversation about worship with anyone that I know of on planet earth. And it's with Jesus himself. And then she is fully discredited in the moment of walking out and fully credited with the righteousness of Jesus as she goes back to her village and everyone follows her back out to meet with Jesus. You talking about parading in the streets, the power of the hope of the gospel? Welcome to the kingdom of Christ. I think about the woman who is sitting at his feet while many of us church people are around him, kind of just taking care of the business of the day and her tears are washing his feet and her hair is being used to dry his feet. And I think of the parade that is happening in the certificate of debt that is being released by the King of glory. I think of the demon-possessed man who has spent the most of his time in caves and praying and begging for help, and the Lord comes and helps. And I think as he is paraded through the city, that as the, as the beauty and the wonder of the power of the Spirit are made known, I am just stunned by his demeanor. And then he just says what all of us would say, I just want to now come with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, how about this? Let's do one better. Why don't you stay right here and live for my glory in every way, shape, or form. As I shared that story in the early service, I spoke to Miss Margaret, who was praying that our church will flesh out this power of the justifying work to a city that desperately needs to see a people who do not live under condemnation and yet live under the justifying work of the cross of Christ. And he's probably looking at us right now and saying, how about we flesh this out in the community around us? How about we live this in such a profound manner? I think of a nine-year-old boy that came home from vacation Bible school and looked at his mom and dad and said, I think I need to know Jesus. And my mom and my dad walked me through that prayer. And I begin to think right now of my redemption story, my rescue story, and I'm thinking spiritually about it in a way that I wasn't when I was nine-year-old. As, as the Lord, as I was coming into that, he's starting to blow the horn and he's starting to rally the troops and he's starting to walk in 
in the streets with, with celebration over the certificate of debt that is paid in full in my soul. How about you? How about your story of salvation and rescue in Jesus? How about what it looks like to understand that he paraded in the streets over you? He is in love with you. Are you a person who is in Christ? See, there's two really key words here that are so important. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are, I think it's actually three words in scripture, depends upon which version. So let's go with three. There's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Those of us who have said, Lord, I, 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 am, I am running to the door. I sent you knocking at the door. I am running heart and soul to this door. Scripture tells us as believers that we are seated with Christ in this moment. That we are secure in him. And I'm just wondering what your salvation story is. And I'm wondering if you should grab a pencil and write a neighbor and say, can we talk about this? Like maybe leave right now. I, I want to understand what this justifying work that Jesus has done on my behalf once and forever, that he clearly found it so preeminent that he would parade the streets with this. I, I want to know what this is. For those of us who are in Jesus, we're just coming around saying, Lord, this is sweeping. This is magnanimous. You have freed me. I have all that I need in you. I am in Christ. There's a video that I've watched for about six years now, and we actually are walking through Romans in midweek with our small group. So a, um, a full-on midweek plug. Like, imagine eight days together in the, in the beautiful cathedral in the inner sanctum of God's, have me say it right, the inner sanctum of the cathedral of our Christian faith, which is Romans 8. We'll just move that out for 12 weeks and walk together with a group of people through the the book of Romans, and it's, it's ridiculous. It's amazing. And so uh, I, I invite you in to come into the journey as we wrap up, but still Romans 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16 are out there. So we're, we're sitting in Wednesday night, and we're, we're studying Romans 12. It says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. How? By the re renewal of your mind, and then you'll know what the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is. How many of us followers of Jesus don't want to know that? He said, Lord, renew my mind and draw me to the perspective of who you are. Woo me into yourself. And as a part of that, I showed a little preaching clip by a guy named Alistair Begg. So in fairness, I'm going to share a bit of the story. And then you should see it. So the Sunday after Easter, we're going to watch it in this room just because it's important for what it means to be in Jesus. And, and I've had three friends write me this week about the thief on the cross. I keep getting more and more thoughts about this. So um, here's in Jesus. So Alistair says, without the cross, we'll miss all of this. So hello to the cross. Paul, the apostle, says, may I boast only in the cross of Christ, for in that cross I die to the world, and the world dies to me. And then it says, without preaching this gospel to one another, we really will miss this. Without preaching this gospel to myself over and over and over, I'll really miss this. And he throws out what he called the Fort Lauderdale question. I call it the EE or the CWT question, EE for you, Kim. And so if you're to die tonight and to gain entry into heaven, what would you say? What's the answer? 
And, 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 and I, love, I love where he went with this. He was like, look, if your answer at all, and I don't, there's no shame here, no condemnation from the preacher. If your answer at all, when I just asked that question, started with the first person, you've missed it. You've really missed the essence of what, so, you know, I have a grand family heritage. All right, it's awesome. I've, I've attended church for the last 27 years, and this is, this is, this is it. And I, I have, this is the one I run into most of the time in conversations with folks, is I've, I'm trying my best to live well. I want to live a good life. When he gets to it, he says, like, if there's anything that begins with you, you've missed this. But if you begin in this position or this posture where it's the third person and you're saying, but Jesus redeemed my soul. Jesus has done the work. Jesus has finished it all. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of my faith. I am not clear what you're asking me, but I do know that I have a confession of one name, Jesus. I think that is the name above all names, and that is the name that I want to proclaim in that moment. And so I just tell you, I don't have something that I brought to the table. I have someone that has brought everything to the table for me. So there's no condemnation standing in this gate for me. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So glory to God for being in Christ. That's worthy of a Baptist dance. He talked about, he was just like, think about the thief on the cross. And I I love, I can't do this. He's got this fantastic Scottish accent. Like I just want to try Scottish. It would be so humiliating if I do that. But he's got this like, what do you, what do, you do with the thief on the cross? What, how, do you even, how do you even wrestle with that? He was like, how did this work out? He said, I can't wait to meet him. I want to ask him how this worked out. Like, what did this look like? Like you or your friend are like mocking Jesus and, and, and then you're, you're, you're there. You, you, I don't understand. How did you make it? And I, I love the way he played this. He was like, the guy would answer you. Probably answer you. He says, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea how I made it. They, they probably started answering around the heavens like, have you read the gospel of John? And, you know, I, no, I haven't. Have you, have you attended Discover Mandarin? Have you, have you been there? Have you, have you attended and, you know, fully, rightfully become a member of the church? No, I've, have you said the sinner's prayer? I don't, I didn't. And I love his answer. And this is my answer. That I'm going to invite you to pray and then also to encourage each other as you walk out. And so ultimately it just kind of says, so I've asked him like, how, how, how did this work out? Like you, you're in, what did you say? And he said, I said, the man on the middle of the cross told me to come. And that's, that's how I got here. That's the only answer for us. When we were ending Wednesday night as our, our groups, to me, I don't know, Chris, you were in the room. I didn't think I'd get to say this to you. But I looked at our groups as they were breaking up and we started walking out. I said, one of the things that I think could be most powerful to speak of being in Christ would be to just look at one another and just share this. The man in the middle is the one who has welcomed me home. The man on the middle cross, I have nothing but him, but in him I found everything. It's a wonderful way to exit the church today, to find three or four friends and just say, I want you to know this about me. 
I want you to know my testimony. I, I, have, I have great, oh my gosh, I, have, I don't know what word to fit in after great. I have great something for Jesus. I, I, he, he is all that I have. And he has invited me in. And I'm so grateful. So thankful. For us to be in Christ, there's nothing to add to that. It's just really, Lord, thank you for this. And Jesus says we're protected in his name. Scripture says it this way. Is Christ in us our hope of glory? Incalculable riches, unsearchable grace, spiritual blessing. There's all these things, but it really all hinges on this. The man in the middle said, come. And then he gave me everything that he had. And therefore, I will not do justice to this, so I'm going to close just saying there's, out of that, out of being justified, out of being in Christ, there's inexplicable freedom. The, the, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I, I, I tried to figure out how to, because I knew we would be about here in time. And so just a quick perspective of this. Picture a tandem skydiver. You have one on your screen right now, so you don't even have to picture it. So I, I wish, two siblings are sitting in the room. I wish from my second daughter, Lydia's birthday was yesterday. She is an April Fool. And uh, for her 18th birthday, we went skydiving. And, and it was so much fun. We is the relative term. Some of us watched from the ground, and some of us went skydiving. And so um, Lydia, is this, if this were Lydia, this was what her face looked like. She, she jumped out. I, just, I want you to recognize right now in this moment that the law of gravity is fully in play. Yeah, she is right now, this perfect little, beautiful little girl, whoever she is, is, is plunging to her death. <laughs> and she apparently feels overjoyed about that. And so the law of gravity is, is fully, fully in play and happening and all of that. But there's something magical. First of all, being in a tandem, you've, you've got someone else that's really carrying all the weight for you. So we won't go down the road on that. I think you can tether the dots to Jesus right there. And so you're, you're in tandem. You're, you're rolling down together. But at some point, the person who's with you in all of your joy is going to pull the parachute. And Newton's first, second, and third law of motion are going to come in and overrule the law of gravity. And then, and then you're going to begin to much more slowly descend. And if you're Lydia, I won't name any other of my children, but if you're Lydia and you descend and you hit the ground and you run and you fall back and you are laughing with other joy, and these are the exact words that came out of her mouth, I was made for this. We won't talk about Cynthia. She had a very different response. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, 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 th I think that's the picture of the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is a law of sin and death that is over every one of us. And Captain Obvious, I just want to say, because you have been justified by Christ and he's paraded that through the streets, because there's no condemnation and you're in constancy free to come to him because you are in Jesus Christ then there is an entirely new law and you're, you are making your way. And I know, I know, I know that there's so much peril, trouble, struggle, all of the things. And, and my prayer for us this morning and as we move through this Holy Week 
is that we will trust Romans 8.28, that God is working all things together for good, that we're in tandem with him, that he is fulfilling his good purposes. He is drawing us to himself. And even when we feel like we're in the law of gravity and plunging to our death, he has trumped that law. He has provided us with the law of the spirit of life. And I have no doubt that this room is filled with a lot of what feels like the law of sin and death. And, and I, would, I would just say to you, Satan is a liar and the king of glory brings life and hope and promise. So I will, I will end with this way. So if you're, if you're to... I don't even love this question. I think we both taught CWT, but I'm going to ask anyway. If you're like to die tonight, you're, you're answering, how am, I, how am I getting into heaven? What, what is it? A very liberating answer is the man in the middle cross said, I can come. I have been set free by Jesus Christ, and that's about the only I thing you have to offer. He has liberated me from sin, death, and the grave, and I am ever grateful. If that is unclear for you, I would do one of two or three things. I would find a friend that you know loves the Lord and ask them, what would you say? Can you help me form a better answer? And what you're actually saying to them is, will you show me to your Jesus? The second is, if you're not sure you have someone you can talk to, some of our pastors will be here at the front. We would love for Holy Week to become crazy holy for you. A week of salvation and promise and future. And so if you're here and you're unsure, we can promise you that we can at least point you to the one who is sure and his name is Jesus. You'll discern what you do with him. Finally, if you're a follower of Jesus and overwhelmed, May you experience the overwhelming reality of the law of the spirit of freedom. I wonder what it would look like to open the door of one who is knocking and to let him in for you. Thank you again for listening in to what God is doing here at Mandarin. We hope this is just the beginning to the gospel conversations we have and will share in through our weeks. We never want this to be the end of what God is doing, but just another launching pad for His glory and renown to be central in our lives and relationships. Again, we would love to help you take your next step of faith, possibly here with us as part of our Mandarin Faith family. You can visit us online at mandarinbaptist.org and facebook.com slash mandarinbaptistchurch to see what your next step of faith could be. We thank you again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.